0: What's up, my friends? Welcome to Before Game Design Lab. Today,
1: they were getting positive, we're talking about positive player interaction. What does it look like to have lots of positive moments, positive interactions in your games? And we're talking to TC Petty the Third, a developer with Renegade Game Studios. TC, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, yeah, man, it's been a long time, and I haven't, I haven't actually been on the show yet. So it's
1: awesome. you have not. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. Uh, we were just talking. We haven't talked to each other in like two and a half years. You know, Origins way back when, we ran, into, we ran into each other for like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, and so just, I'm excited to, yeah, I'm just excited to talk to you about some of the games you've been working on, the games you've developed, you know, just kind of understand what this whole positive thing, think of this episode as like the happy episode. Like, how can we make game design and game experiences just like really enjoyable, as enjoyable as possible? That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. But before we get into that, who are you? How would you get into game design? All that kind of thing.
2: Well, um... Well, I'm TC Petty the I am a game designer, a game developer. Uh, ooh, last year, I got to add to my resume that I worked on the game Moons of Madness as a, as a writer and narrative editor. So I am also that too. Nice. And I guess I got started. I have the same story that most people had. I played Catan late in college and got out of college, felt listless. And I've always been someone that, you know, I, I went to college for writing and I really didn't use it for anything for years, but now that I got into game design, I mean, for the past, I'd say about 14 years or so, um, I've been using that talent to write rules and uh, to actually make games seem a little bit more thematic. I have, um, back in 2012, that would be Viva Java the coffee game was the first game that I had out, and then, that was like one of those early Kickstarter successes, and then we moved on, and I became a game designer that some people respect, and that's great. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it.
1: If somebody says, what do you want to accomplish in the game design world? It's like, I just want some people to respect me. Just one or two people. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A few people, my mom and my dog, and I'll be able to die happy. Okay. All right, so let's get into positive player interaction. Let's get a good little working definition. What does that even mean?
2: Well, okay, so I mean, I guess positive player interaction is where I get, I mean, I don't want to use the same definition in the words, right? Like, I don't want to say, well, it's interaction that's positive between players, but that's what it is. I think the thing is, most people, when they think of interaction, they think of interaction as sort of a negative thing. I will play like a take that card and I'll take away your stuff or I'll blow up your castle. Um, And in general, that is what people say when they mean, like, this game doesn't have enough inf- interaction. They don't usually mean it in the positive way. But positive interaction is when, I don't know, I mean, cooperative games are, are based around positive player interaction. You're just going to talk to each other. Uh, some of your actions are going to overlap. But even in a competitive setting, just having an action that is tied to another player that ne- doesn't necessarily build you up alone, but helps build up the other player as well.
1: Gotcha. And so we're not talking about a game like a Euro where I've got my little player board over here and I do all my actions. I do everything here and I don't really even have to worry about what you're doing. Like, that's not at all what we're talking about. We're talking about when, when players cross paths, so to speak, right? Whether we have combat or we have something, something's going on where we are literally interacting with one another, not just
2: interacting with the game. correct? Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I I think in general, like when you talk about like interaction in general, like with negative or positive, there's, Kind of that feeling that that there's no interaction unless it's direct, like like you just said, but I think there's also like sort of indirect ways you know, like taking a spot from somebody or offering an opportunity or a trade to somebody that could be both versions of like uh, uh, an indirect interaction uh, that's based around like something that I do on my turn and then something that you do on your turn and maybe we don't necessarily overlap, but I think yeah, I like to focus like you said, on the main direct interaction. To me, that's like what people mean when they say interaction.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point because I've played some worker placement games where it feels like we're interacting because I just took that spot and now no one else can and I get this advantage and all these other people, they wanted to go there, but they didn't have the first player marker or whatever, so I got to get there first. Does that create some interaction just kind of indirectly? But so let's talk about like, tell me negative. Let's get a good little list of negative interactions and then kind of like pro and con them, you know, look at them different, look at them in different ways versus the, the
2: positive side. I think it's like, and that's what's good. Like the negative interactions, these are what you're going to find in pretty much any game that has interaction focuses on negative in most cases, right? And I always define it as like indirect or direct, like we were talking about it. Like, so a direct. Negative action would be like, oh man, I'm trying to think of. I haven't played a take. I haven't played a take that game in a long time. I'm just going to say Uno. Um, in Uno, when you play a card that says draw four, right? <laughs> it's so bad, I can't even remember Uno. There, there is a draw four card in Uno. Oh, There's also yeah. a skip card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those those things happen in those types of games that now I'm so far uh, away from. But no, those are types of like direct interactions. I am going to. I'm I'm going to hurt you. And the the net benefit for me may not be that like I get anything out of it. I might just hurt you. <laughs> and that's like a direct interaction. Whereas like an indirect action is like what we talked about with say a Grecola or oof, man, countless worker placement games where you take the spot I wanted. Grr, darn it, I wanted that spot. That would be like an indirect version of like, interaction and that's usually like what you were saying whenever whenever you get into multiplayer solitaire when you feel like you're alone in your own little space that's the type of interaction that gets focused on in that case i'm trying to think of other i mean man most of the direct interactions that you have in these types of games are just so brutal uh you know there can be i mean i i'm i usually exclude two-player games like you know it'd be weird to say chess is directly negative because everything you do is like a net like positive or negative for either player. So I usually kind of steer to like multiplayer. And and, yeah, in multiplayer games, I mean, especially, there's some egregious examples. This this is one of those things, if people have played Magic the Gathering, it's why Magic the Gathering multiplayer doesn't really work. Because you end up in these situations where people just get into cycles of hurting each other and once one player draws blood, everyone just piles on them. Yeah, a lot of um, times
1: those games become team games very, very quickly, but it's yeah. usually like two on one or three on one or something like that.
2: One versus and, many games, yeah. Yeah,
1: all of a sudden. And it gets real negative for one person in particular until they're out of the game. And then, like, who's next? It's kind of, you know, just who's the next person that's going to get kicked out, basically.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can go through a gazillion examples of things, but I, I do know that, like, when you start going down that route of just putting a lot of negative interaction, you end up like, you know, the early game, like you have no clue who you should target with your negativity because like no one's built up anything. So you just end up arbitrarily hurting someone. And then like later in the game, you're bank ganging up and bashing the leader. Um, it punishes the players that are timid. It's like extremely tactical, you know, like that feeling where you can't plan a long-term strategy it's all short-term and you look at the board and every single time it's changed by the time it gets back to you highly direct player inter negative highly direct negative player interaction causes those kinds of things um and it causes me it causes me to whine if that's
1: <laughs> you are not alone sir now where <laughs> does a game like kimet or you know risk or another dudes on a map game which are the whole game is interaction the whole game is combat Tell me kind of how how this falls or or where it lands as far as the positive-negative interaction.
2: Oh, see, I like those those kinds of questions because like right, like any game where you inherently are going to have someone amassing uh territory and that could become a target almost flips into a sort of positive environment for the other players that are playing against them. Kemet's a good example. You have I I I haven't played in a while, but I, I know there's that one spot where you can get a lot of points just by like praying to the gods, something like that. Um, there's a middle spot where you can just get a ton of points just by staying there and being there for most of the game. And people just have to either deal with it in other ways or get you out of there. And a lot of times it's going to take more than just one person to do that. And that's where you get these nice alliances that build up during a game, even with risk. You get these alliances where two players work together to try to beat the other person. And I think those are those are things that happen from having a good balance of both like positive and negative in those types of interactive games. And they don't necessarily need to be that way. But like, man, it is really satisfying when you tackle somebody that's in the lead, and then make an alliance with them later to tackle somebody else. It's just it's such a nice feeling. I, I, I don't know. I, I like it. Gotcha. And so I want to really kind of get into what makes these things
1: different. I mean, maybe part of it is, you know, no one would ever call Risk take that game. You wouldn't call Kemet take that game, Small World or anything like that. Uh, but at the same time, like you have all these moments in the game where you are doing something actively to take away armies from another player or to get rid of their uh, locations to take their area away from them. And so it's kind of like a take that moment where you're doing something and, and saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. But is it also because they have some defense? So like in Kemet or in these other games, it's like I get to roll dice or I get to play a card that way I could maybe win. So you're not just playing a card on me and I have to deal with it. You're doing something to me, but I could also win
2: the battle, too. Is that kind of part of it as well? I think so. It's like kind of riding the razor's edge of of the the interaction between players and holding on to something that's yours and being constantly. Constantly having to overlap into other players, right? I, I generally don't design games like like or Risk where there's like a lot of overlap or combat uh, in the game. Uh, but even with even with games where there is a specific area control element, you you can find yourself in these these a good I would say a good version of that game. You will find yourself in situations where you just aren't safe. And Kemet does that really well in the sense that it teaches players really quickly. And, and this is part of it too, teaching your players what the, poss- what the possible outcomes of actions are early so that you know that like, this is not mine and it won't be mine for the whole game. Because once you get into that mindset, then you can start to be a little bit more fluid in the, in the way that you make alliances or do negative actions towards other players. But like, man, when you are constantly at the, the whim of someone else, or your your win or loss depends on how you interact with somebody, it's like a neat feeling. And uh, I mean, even, even when you have like n- just straight up negativity going on, like that gives you a chance to be clever, which is what I think a lot of people that don't necessarily want that I am alone in my own bubble and it's a mind game between whether or not I'm smarter than you. They want to be able to use other aspects of their personality to get an advantage. And this kind of gives it to them.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think another thing we need to think about is that a game like Kemet or Cry Havoc or Rising Sun, that have a lot of interaction, a lot of combat, a lot of things, the combat is not pass fail. It's not win lose. It's a spectrum. And very rarely is the, does the battle go 100 to 0. It's usually like 70 to 30 or 60, 40 or 40, 60. And you could, you know, like in Kemet, you could win a battle, but have all your dudes get killed, right? And so like, yeah. it was like, well, did I actually win anything? And so maybe you feel good because you technically won, but the other person feels good because they killed all your all your uh, armies, all your troops. Same thing in Cry Havoc. You can, you know, uh, take other uh, players' pieces captive in Rising Sun. You can do all sorts of different things. that kind of mitigates it from being win-lose to, well, I win? lose? Like, I don't know. This is kind of in the middle and it depends on how you even look at it like what perspective. So I think that's another way you can kind of uh, mess with the whole positive versus negative interactions. Just give more options for things than just win or lose or pass.
2: Yeah, and I think you can like, like, we, like, like you were saying like I was saying, like if you have this, if you've managed the expectations of the player a little bit to give them that opportunity to have interaction or the, you, they know that the possibility is there. Uh, things like Scythe can exist where you get a good mix of just having your own thing, but there's always this possibility that someone could do something. And like you said in Kemet, like there's, a, there's going to be a negative for the person that's trying to interact and there's going to be a positive and they're going to have to weigh that. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, again, going to the, like, the Razor's Edge thing, uh, when I'm talking about like positive player interaction, like trying to steer players in that direction, I'm generally going to use that idea that there is the possibility that someone could do something negative to you because you've decided to to work with them. But it's generally in mutually your best interest to work together and creating those situations where that happens a lot during a game, even if you force it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Rising Sun's a great example of this where you can you making alliances really helps both players, but then being strategic about when you break the alliance. Can also really change the the di- dynamic of the game, and it's just really interesting how some of these games will will do this. They'll they'll use the positive nature of alliances, but then kind of there's always that risk, that chance that somebody's going to stab you in the back, and it just creates interesting tension throughout the game.
2: Yeah, it it opens up the game, which I think is another thing that like is is a really good tool for. Well, I mean, I know I know negative interaction, but I think positive player interaction does this even better. It's it's this idea that like. Once we know, even in even and I'm, I'm talking about like in the stuffiest possible euro, if you told someone there's a spot on the board that if I go there and you go there, we both get a benefit. Suddenly th- the person looks up from their They, they look, they, they tilt their glasses. They look up from their player board and they go, oh, there's other people here. Hey, do you want to go to that spot with me? It's like no, I would like to go to that spot with you. It's it's just that beautiful moment of like realizing that like it's not necessarily always about what's in front of you. It sometimes can be other players too. Isn't that how we? It's not like that's that's the reason we play games, right? I mean, I would think. Yeah,
1: we got some (laughs) nice little life
2: lessons going on here as well. It's
1: not just about gaming. It's also about you know how you should treat other people, other human beings in the world. And so why why is this important? You know, as a game designer, that's really about this stuff. Like you really. You know, try to make sure your games are full of positive player interaction. Why is it important? Why should other designers be
2: thinking about this kind of thing? I, I think it's realistic. I, I, and I think, in all honesty, there is a lot of games out there that propose to be, like, simulation-style games. And with those types of games, you'll see a lot of negative player interaction. And you'll actually see the game, which, I mean we're talking about player interaction. So I won't go deep into this, but like the idea that the game actually interacts with you in a negative way is kind of funny and happens a lot in simulation style games. I, I would say like something, Oh man, like a, a Phil Eklund game. That's like a high frontier or, or just a really detailed scientific simulation. It, it, they generally have a lot of die rolls and card draws and random things that happen and they don't, connect the dots too much that like you know what there there was if the players interacted to make up for those random random events like that would probably simulate life better and i think in conflict there is never a time well okay very rarely you might be in an argument with like a significant other and be in the right completely but very rarely but uh, i think in most cases there are shades of gray in all of those and so it's realistic to have these combat or uh, conflict moments where you're working together for, for, for a while, where your destiny is, is compared to someone else's. And you, it's like, it's a good thing. Oh man, we should work together and do this thing. And when the game allows for that, it, I don't know, to me, it makes it more exciting. It makes it more inviting. It makes it more accessible. It makes it more open. And uh, I just like that feeling too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so what are some of your favorite examples? What are some of the best examples? Not of your games. I want to talk about your games in just a minute and kind of how you do this personally in your design process. But other games, other
2: publishers or or designers' games, which ones do this well? Yeah, normally I would just go to mine and start listing. But I'll I'll, uh, I'll skip that for now. And we'll go to some some things like, I I just look at uh, some of the old examples I have of uh, uh, my friend, Daryl Louder, did a game called Compounded. And there's just a really simple ability in the game, right? And this is like an easy way that you can start thinking about positive player interaction and stuff that I just love because you have to think about it. It there is in compounded, you're creating these different elements from or different compounds from elements, and you place them out on the board. And you, once you complete a card, you get a bonus. And in this case, it's like a grant, and its ability it's an ability that gives someone else. Uh, a, a movement on their tech track. So by completing this, which is an easier compound, you actively help someone else. And I like that idea. Uh, another example, I think this happens in a lot of games. I think open, like, it doesn't have to be open trading, but just trading and negotiation is always that that there is times... I, I think a lot of people, they look at like a trade as, as if it's like both people are going into... An <laughs> Both people are going into an argument and one person's going to come out right and the other person's going to come out wrong. And there's never a time where a trade has less than a zero-sum attitude. And I think that's wrong, right? There are times where, especially in a game like Bonanza, where you really want that two wax beans and it's so much more important for you to get them than it is to give that other person the best bean in the game. So you make the trade and you're both happy. And no one really got ahead. You just made a really good trade. Uh, I love stuff like that. I love I love that feeling of just like working together. And then um, I think uh, I was thinking about Sidereal Confluence. And this is a, a game that I have not had a chance to play yet, but it is a monstrous type of undertaking. And they're making a new version. And I hope to play the new version because Daniel Solis is doing the graphic design and that's just, it's just going to be awesome. And so in this game... You play as different alien races and everybody wants something different. They create different things. They speak different languages. They might, you might want this one good that's worthless to someone else that it's just absolutely the most important thing for you. And you might trade, try to trade with someone who has that, but they don't have the good that you need or they they don't, they don't want your currency. I guess that would be the best way of putting it. They don't want your resource because it doesn't help them. So you have to make a trade with someone else in order to get the resource that you need so you can trade with this person. It's just this weird market trade event of all the all the different races having to come together. And if they're not working together, it just the, the economy just like falls apart. You're forced to interact with other people and make good deals and sometimes make deals that might not be in your best interest now, but like will be in the future because you really need that with this other person. Just absolutely amazing to have some sort of asymmetrical trading like that.
1: Yeah, it reminds Um, me of the game I played a ton in college
2: called Pit. You know, that game you're talking about
1: sounds like the gamer (laughs) version of Pit. And I love Pit because you're just yelling at each other. I need three, 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 three. Who's got? And and, and over and over and yeah, like especially if a big player camp, you got five, six, seven people playing the game, and everybody's yelling and everybody's trying to get these you know stocks and different things. And finally, somebody gets exactly what they need, and they ring the little bell in the middle of the table, and they go, "I got it," you know. And they win, and everybody goes, "Oh," because you you like you were so close, you were one card away from doing it, but nobody felt like you had a negative interaction at all, yeah, even though you're all it. yelling at each other. Yeah, and so everyone feels like, "Oh, I was one card away. I was two cards away. If I was this and that." And then it's like, all right, let's play again, because each round takes you know, two minutes, and so you just play over and over again, and it just feels good the whole time. And it's, I think that's another great example of the positive interaction with negotiation. All right, give me some more, give me some more examples. Yeah, I mean, hey, that
2: was that's that was an awesome example, by the way, because I just, I just, that is one of the, I'll just say that is one of the classic games that I give a pass to. Yeah, like the the most classic games have outdated mechanics and everything. That one still holds up today. I think it's so yeah. great.
1: I don't know if it's on BoardGameGeek listed this way, but I wish like yelling at each other was listed as a mechanism. <laughs> like I, I feel like I need to make a game where yelling at
2: yelling at I, the other players is a mechanism. I mean, you might if, if you're going to talk about yelling at other players for positive reasons, you might as well just do like uh, you know Happy Salmon. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's another. That's another great example. Yeah. I mean, okay. So is Happy Salmon even really? I mean, I don't know if it's really a game. It's sort of an activity. <laughs> but <laughs> you're the, right. But at the same time, I love that it's a game. So I'm fine with it. So <laughs> like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into semantics but right. but even like that for someone who has never seen what happy happy salmon is which was for me for the longest time i just saw people doing nuts things and and thought why are they yelling this is a yell at each other style game which which happens that is a genre and i uh, honestly gabe i think you're right it should be on board game geek the yelling at each other genre uh if it's not there the the point of this is to get someone at the table to recognize that you want to do a certain action and then to do that action together. So, like in a certain case, you might have to swap with someone at the table, like positions. So, you'll like make a motion and then, like, both of you put down a co- like swap positions around the table and throw down your card that said swap positions, you know, or you have to do the happy salmon, which you you look at each other and then you do the happy salmon thing which is like a handshake where you flap your hands at each other right and then you go ah um, and pretty much everyone's yelling at the same time to try to get other people to do the thing that they have on their card that's that's happy salmon that's that's the whole game <laughs> there, i don't think there's a there's I, I you someone wins by getting rid of all their cards i think but i i, I think that's how it ends it's usually yeah. just someone going ah oh, i did it
1: <laughs> apparently you did it cool yeah. and then you look at your own games that you've been designing and realize that the
2: designers of that game have made a lot more money than you ever have <laughs> i i'm an artist and i believe that you know if you make money you're actually you're, you're a sellout so. that's what it
1: is that's true that's true so. never mind it's, it's for the best you only want one <laughs> or two people to respect you as opposed to the happy salmon folks which is exactly like, you know, in the negatives it's, i don't know i'm just making it awesome. <laughs> All right, give me some examples of games that are maybe a little heavier, right? Maybe a uh, worker placement or euro. Give me something else that's maybe on the opposite end of Happy Salmon and Pit
2: as far as this kind of thing. Yeah, let's get into like, uh, it's a little easier to do like the indirect positive player interaction examples. And I think a lot of people can use this just as a, I mean, if you're thinking about how can I add in a little bit of like positive positivity into, into the game, I think these are good ways, right? So uh, uh, one of the examples I had was there's, in brewcrafters, which is like a meaty euro, euro game about brewing beer, you have this collaborative brew that comes out. And players can, when they've completed one of their own uh, recipes, they can take one of the ingredients that they have and put it onto the collaborative brew and click take the collaborative token. Once the, the brew's done, everybody who has been a part of that collaborative brew scores some points, moves up the track, and maybe gets another side bonus. And then then you move on. Um, it's a really just really simple way of getting players to recognize that there's an overlap between you and that like maybe you should work together. Um, another example I have is Terra Mystica. You basically, if you build next to another player, you create a civilization that benefits from the other civilization growing. And so as they upgrade their buildings, you get an opportunity to, to gain points. And it's, it's, it's a really important mechanic in the game to keep everybody moving up together, but also to keep people close. I've never played a game that it was so intrinsically tied together um, with the, the, how the players build their economies. And it's really nice to have a game where you're not just trying to area control everywhere. You're legitimately trying to build a nice society together. You're just trying to be the best. <laughs> Um, even the goal of the game is that way. And I think this one is the, the furthest from it, but I'll give Puerto Rico as an example. And there in Puerto Rico, there's like role selection. And so when it's your turn, you get to pick from like five roles that are out on the board. And if you pick that role, you get a bonus, but then everybody else gets to take that action as well. So while it's not necessarily we interacted in a way that's like oh cool i get this thing and you get this thing it's a really neat interaction in the sense that like you kind of get a free turn caused by someone else and it's not <laughs> in in many cases you have to you you actively have to figure out the best way to not help other people and that is a really interesting uh game design space to be in to think about how can i how can I gain a bonus out of this action that I take that automatically is going to help everybody, but doesn't help them as much really neat way of spinning. How, how you think about game design in general. And I think a lot of people that would, would, would benefit from thinking about it that way, man, how do I, how do I make a game where I'm not just helping everybody else else out? It's really, it's a neat little inversion of, of, of game design. So I think those are all cool. I, cool examples.
1: Yeah, and I was actually gonna bring up Tiny Epic Galaxies, which has the very similar thing as Puerto Rico, where you have that follow mechanism, you know, and I think maybe, okay, maybe it's not full-on positive player interaction, but at least it's not negative, or at least not nearly as negative as I took this role, I took this card, I took this worker placement spot, whatever, and now no one else can. No, instead it's I took this and I get a benefit, or maybe I get a bonus, or it cost me a little less or something like that. But now everybody else can do it as well. So if the player next to me, they were they wanted the same spot and now I took it, now they can't do it. Well, at least they get to do it even even still. And I think, so you don't maybe feel the negative consequence of that as, as much as you would if it was just pass, fail, win, loss. Again, going back to that kind of, you know, 100% or nothing. It's, it's like 75, 25 now, or 50, 50, 60, 40,
2: something like that. Yeah, and it's like a trick, right? I mean, these are just tricks. Like, it's a mental trick and it gets you to think of it as a different, in a different way. And I think I, mean, I think that's really cool. Like, if, if, you can, if you can see an interaction as a positive thing for you, even when it wasn't actually a positive thing. I think that, that it's just a neat feel to the game. It makes you feel like, oh, cool, we're building something together. This is nice. Um, there, there's yeah.
1: also games that have like, especially games with like monsters and yet you're fighting monsters. And so you're you're trying to have the best tribe or the best warrior or whatever. You're trying to build up your character or your, you know, your people group, or whatever. But then semi-cooperatively, you also have maybe some monsters that are on the board that you all kind of have to work together to defeat. And if you don't, defeat them then everybody gets a, a negative consequence or something like that i think Tidal blades does this where you, you have a spot on the board where uh, it t- it's going to take multiple turns multiple rounds to defeat these monsters and so i can put my you know dice over there now and you can do it on your turn and maybe somebody else and so we're kind of working together and getting benefits and then maybe there's a bigger benefit on the whole i think that's another cool way way to do it
2: oh for sure and um i think it might be time now for me to tip over into my own games right yeah, let's do it. I want to toot my own horn, right? <laughs> toot away, so, sir. Yeah, so I, I was thinking about, so the reason why I got into to, to game design and why I'm known is because of Viva Java the coffee game. And it's it was maybe my seventh or eighth design at that point, right? And it was the first one that I thought really had something because it was different. Here's a game where it plays best at six to eight players and it's still a Euro game with like, tech tracks and stuff, but you are, it's a light strategic Euro game. So you feel a little bit more like it's a party game. And the main thing about this game is that every single turn, you're going to place a worker out onto a spot to pick up some stuff. I didn't even know worker placement existed at that time, but that's what it is. It's worker placement. And you place it out, you get something, but depending on which region of the world you've placed in, that is your turn. That is your team for this round. And so what that means is you would not only, not only should you be thinking about what you want to get, you should be thinking about what you would like to do after you get the thing that you want to get and who you'd like to be on your team because it's in your best interest to have a good team and to set that up by talking to other people before you even place your piece. So if you can figure out what who's going to go and what turn order and where you're going to go and figure out your master plan for getting this all working, that is going to be your best best bet. And then when you're on a team together, you decide together whether you want to do uh, create a coffee blend together, and that's going to be collaboratively that turn pulling beans out of your bags and creating a like poker hand of coffee beans. Or if you want to research, and that's breaking up the team and going do stuff. And usually that means usually when you're researching. You don't necessarily have to do as much um planning ahead. But when you're when you're thinking about doing a blend, yeah, you want to get the best people on your team, match up the right beans, get the best possible blend and work together. And that feeling of solidarity for that one turn is great because it really doesn't matter. You are not incentivized to to screw people over. You're incentivized to work together. And that that feeling of like, yes, we're good. And then next turn I I hate you <laughs> is Um, I think it's wonderful. Right. And I was super happy to work on that game. I think it might be at this point, it might be just a, an experimental game. It may not, it didn't, nobody, I haven't seen a lot of people pick up on that sort of mentality and make a ton of games based off of it. But it's, it's a really neat way of thinking about games.
1: Yeah. Now, did Um, you have that idea from the beginning or does, is that something that kind of came out of the design process Or, or tell me about kind of the behind the scenes? development of that game
2: so that game came out because i had a group of people that came to game night and the game nights and we always had like seven people and it was like well do we do we want to break up into two different groups play these games it'd be nice if we could play like a game together but not just play telestrations or play like i don't know what, what i don't know what the, the hot game at the time was but you know cards against humanity or something it, it'd be nice to play a game that's like a larger group game, but had a little substance to it. And I literally couldn't find one on the market. And I still <laughs> still can't. I mean, what, most people do not make those types of games. So uh, so there was a gap. And I was like, oh, man, I want to make this game for our group so that we can play this. And that came out of the design process, right? The, the idea of well, how do you make a game that can actually work whenever you have like eight players? And for me, it was somehow simultaneous actions have to exist because otherwise the game's going to take forever. So most every turn needs to be simultaneous, and that overlap between just having the team come together, like you do the, your worker placement, which takes you know a few minutes, and then you come together, figure out what you want to do, and break off into teams. It ah, it was I never played something like that, and I still don't know of any games that do it. So it was enough to be for me to be like, this is, a, this is a thing that needs to exist, you know? Thing that needs to exist. Gotcha. And then you decided to turn it into a dice
1: game. So kind of tell me how that worked, and then how you're, you're still having the same you know positive interaction, but now you're doing it in a, kind of a totally different mechanism, totally different way of, of playing.
2: Yeah, so it's like you take what you did before and then you just you say, okay. Well, how can I, I make can't... more money? Is, how can I, <laughs> can I? How can I okay. get more? <laughs> how can I milk this? Yes, perfect. How can I milk this? Um, how can I milk my art? I, you know, I'll just be flat, flat out honest. Like the the idea of the positive player interaction in in Viva Java, the the dice game, right? It came out after a long period of development. I started off with pretty much no overlap, other than the sense that everybody had the same. Abilities available. But for people that don't know, Biba Java or the coffee game, the dice game is a kind of roll and write game. I don't usually, know, I don't think it's definitely the definition of a roll and write, but it has dice and you write, write things. And you move up on on tech tracks and everything. So it kept the main ideas from the, the, the bigger version where you're creating blends. You use five dice, sort of Yahtzee style, create a, a coffee blend that equals a poker hand and you are moving up on research tracks to unlock abilities. And those abilities are the same abilities for everyone, but they change each game depending on what setup you have. The, the, the positive player interaction, which is funny in this one, positive player interaction deals with the idea that if you get these extra flavor dice on your turn, you can offer them to another player as incentive for them to roll and for you to gain a benefit off of their the blend that they create. And so it was this this idea that like okay I can donate I can donate some of the good things that I have when it's not my turn and help somebody else out and then I benefit as well whenever they're scoring that blend. Um, <laughs> well, the weird thing about it is that in the second edition that was taken out, and uh, I think it's just a, a I think it's a teaching tool to me that like in all honesty like there are some times when positive player interaction works and other times where I, I didn't have to just Put it in there just to make it work, right? I felt like I played the game. Now I probably played that dice game two hundred times, something like that. And you know, just learning over and over again that, like, you know, maybe I made a, Maybe I can. I can actually do a second edition, and I can. I can make a slight change to how that rule is and make it an optional rule. But I don't know. I mean, you don't have to use it in every game. I just like to think about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, how do you know when? it doesn't belong. How do you know
2: when maybe you need to cut it from the the next iteration? That's a good question. Yeah, that is, that is an excellent question. And so the, the idea of positive player interaction is that it has some design negatives that if you're not aware of it, you might just want to try to like, you know, sneak it in there. And then, then all of a sudden you've got, you've got some, some, some weird things that might occur. Right. And so, some of the things that can happen is you get into alliances that are a little too strong for you to break. So there has to be an incentive for people to diverge or betray each other. And if your game just gives an opportunity for two people to work together and stay together, you're gonna see some really you see some bad diminishing returns from that. Um, another another thing for like positive player interaction is it opens up conversations. So if your game is already starting to be a little longer, if you leave in some sort of open trading or open negotiation, you run the risk of just adding another 20 or 30 minutes to your game. And if you really need to, to curtail that, it's better to use that indirect, indirect positive player interaction where you go, okay, well, if you go to, the, I, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to do this. If you do it too, we'll both get a bonus. That's what we want to do anyway, but it's up to you. I think those types of decisions make the game a little smoother so that you don't end up in uh, negotiation hell, which can happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now it seems like a lot of this also involves like piggybacking, right. And kind of jumping on other people to, to kind of be along for the ride, so to speak. And now is there a, any advice on a good way to do that so that everybody feels good about it? Right. Cause, cause you know, if I'm just walking along and somebody jumps on my back, it's like, well, hello, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know, versus my, my daughter who's like, hey, can I get on your back? So, like, any advice as far as, like, how to make it feel good in a game and not just feel like people are just trying to copy you or or just, you know, waiting on you to do something so then they can do it. And so and then again, it kind of gets more negative. Any thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's all about balance there. Because it shouldn't, you know, like, like you said, like there are some times where I've put in positive player interaction. In the original Viva Java, there is a time where you just listen to what other people are saying. And if they're not paying attention, you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to invest in your, in your blend, and then you you share the points with them, and that just feels, oh, why did why did we say things out loud? Why were we being so ridiculous? Like we we <laughs> should have known because that's the thing about any of this. Like like we were talking about earlier. Like if if there's positivity, there's a chance for negativity. So being aware that like there might be a time where you might not want to say what you want to say. And you might want to say the exact opposite of what you mean and then wink at the other person because in a game, any game that has like some sort of open negotiation or strategy, you really don't want everyone to know exactly what you're going to do. Uh, but yeah, I would say the, the key, especially in these sort of transactions is to make it so that the person that's, that's like doing the thing gets a benefit from that person. That's just piggybacking. Cause if it feels like a, if it feels like, oh, Hey, I, I can give you this thing if, if I can just jump on there. I'm only going to be on there for like a little bit. I won't even take all your points. I'm just taking a little bit. I don't know. Just getting a, it feels good to have, what is that? The venture capitalist to help you out. Here, here have a dollar. <laughs> now, now I have investment in your thing. Right. And so if it, if it feels good, it generally, that balance is going to be there. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense.
1: All right. Let's look at a totally different kind of game, a small game, a word game, your game called handsome.
2: How in the world did you did you do it with, with this kind of game? I didn't. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, th- I think that's mainly the, the way. I didn't do it. I think with 18 cards, right? I mean, it's an 18-card word game. The thing that I did though, do, though, is just I was aware that, like, I want to have a positive experience. And so one of the things that happens in Handsome that keeps everybody at least on board and moving forward is all ties are positive. They're happy ties. And you get a lot of ties in this game. So I'll give an example. Like, So there's three suits in the game. And one of the ways that you can score each round whenever you make a word is by having having used letters that have the most of that suit. So if like, I don't know, say the word was cake that you, you made. And the C and the K were both a bow tie suit. Well, if two, two bow ties is the most that anyone has used in their word for that suit, you're gonna score a point. But if everyone all use two, everyone scores a point. And it's that, I wanted to have one forward momentum, so if you're playing with a lot of people, it doesn't feel like you're just constantly getting zero points, but it's also, it felt like you're working together somewhat, right? And so, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, it's just that feeling, that feeling of positivity in some cases is more important than, than, even having like the 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 directness of the positive player interaction, but man, yeah, it, I, people like that feeling of moving forward, and it's really helpful. If like even if you lose, you're like, oh man, you had nine points, I had seven points. Even if you were really far behind with seven points, you still feel like, oh, okay, well, I could have won. There was a chance, definitely. And then why did you call it handsome? <laughs> Just because whenever whenever you say the name of the game. It says TC Petty 3's Handsome. And so every (laughs) copy is an advertisement. Um, So that's great. I love it. I love it. So what you're saying is even the title of the
1: game can have some positive interaction. Yeah,
2: for me, though, in this case. (laughs) All right, let's talk
1: about Club Zen. What about that one? Oh, so so
2: this is like uh, a game that hurts my heart that has not been released. Because every time I talk about positive player interaction, Club Zen pops up because It is a worker placement game where there are no restrictions to where you go. You can overlap with anyone. And when you overlap with someone on a spot, you both get a bonus. So it's the inverse, I guess, of most worker placement. You don't don't draft a spot and take it away from someone. You actively get a bonus if someone else goes to that spot. And I think what's really nice about trying that is that I learned really quickly that people naturally want to diverge and that you almost can be like, here's the optional, like, here's, here's an option you should be taking, right? It gives you this bonus. You both get this thing and still people have people like be, "Mm, well, I know that exists, but I'm helping someone else out. I don't want to do that. I'll do this thing. And so like you both actively get a worse result, but it's so weird. It's such a strange thought experiment. And I love that idea, and I love the fact that everything in the game, in this Club Zen game, is about, like, building up karma and building up good uh, – uh, if you get karma, you're able to do more actions, you're able to unload stresses, like emotional and work stresses. And it's just – ah, it's such a missed opportunity for for the market. And we, we need these things. We need positivity right now. This is, like, a good time to have Club Zen on the market. And I, I wish <laughs> –
1: yeah, no doubt. Well, hopefully it, it works out soon. And, and while you're talking about it, it, actually reminded me of some other games that do something kind of similar, like Euphoria, where if I place my worker in a, in a spot where somebody already has theirs, then it just bounces it back to their hand. And then now they have another worker in their hand that they can place next turn. And so you don't have to waste, because you you know, But those kind of games, usually have to spend a turn, waste a turn, bring all your workers back to then replace them. Well, it gives you that little bonus of, oh, okay, I went to a place, you know, and, and a place that other people wanted to go to, and now I'm going to get my worker bounced back to me, and that gives me a little bit of an edge, a little bit of more flexibility for my next turn because I don't have to waste any any actions bringing them all back and just keep playing. So I think that's another cool way
2: to, to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. And if it, may, it makes me feel so, if it makes me feel worse that Euphoria came out after Club Zen was made, so we're still <laughs> <laughs> we're still waiting. But you know, but yeah, yeah, these, but those, that's what's so good. That's. I think in, in general, that's why I love Jamie Stagmaier's designs. A lot of people that I'm uh, I'm with don't kind of grab onto that idea of both mixing theme and mechanics, and then also having that sort of positive interactions that can occur from the way that you play. And I just love, especially in Euphoria, I mean, some people, whatever, it doesn't matter. I like Euphoria, and that's the most important thing. And it it has these abilities to have people overlap on what they want to push forward. Your goals overlap with someone else's. And I just, man, I just, I love that stuff. I love it. I love interaction in some weird way. Um, it makes me happy. Absolutely.
1: All right, let's talk about another game that you've been working on for quite a while. I remember seeing yeah. this one two and a half years ago at Origins when I was talking about earlier, like the last time we saw each other and spoke. Uh, mm-hmm. You were working on this game. You were playtesting it there in the Unpub room at Origins called my father's work it's coming to kickstarter later this year i'm really excited about it tell me more tell me about how you
2: kind of brought all these ideas to life in that one on 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 that note yes my father's work hype train we need to get this started this is a game i've been working on for a long time and uh, so my father's work the 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 pitch for it so that we can move on into why it has positive player interaction and which is one of the main things in it um the pitch of it is you're a mad scientist and you play over the course of three generations of the same mad scientist family. So everybody has their own piece of the estate and you can only pass down certain things from generation to generation and you just keep playing and it's all played in one sitting. So it's like you have this storyline that you follow that goes through that one sitting. Um, And the cool thing that, uh, that, that sort of makes it stand out and sort of makes it one of those kind of like, here is my thesis statement on how competitive games can have interactions like this, is you collectively, it's a competitive game. It's not a cooperative game. It's a competitive game where you collectively vote on on and make decisions that will change the course of history. And will change what the town's makeup is like. It will change worker space, worker placement spaces on the board. It will introduce new storylines, and it will show the passage of time. And what's cool about it is that so say, say you have a uh, you have an event, and in town they're like, "Oh, we think this person's a witch," you know. It's like, but then someone else comes up. And they're like, oh no, they're the witch. They are beguiling me. They're the person. And as players, you have a choice. Do we want to? Do we want to? Uh, you know, uh, do I get, what's the, what? Are, what is a good word for that? That, that doesn't have bad connotations. I'm. Trying, do we want? to no, will just kill. Do we want to kill this person? Is it better? <laughs> do we want to help money? them.
1: Help them meet their ancestors. <laughs>
2: yeah, do help you, them do get want, to the other side. I was trying to say it in the most not offensive way do we want to blood like do we want to murder this person or this person right so do we want to do we want to kill this person or do we want to kill this person knowing full well what what who they are right like so one person's like the butcher and one person's the blacksmith and there's you know a butcher and a blacksmith in town hmm I wonder what happens if we kill the butcher or I wonder what happens if we kill the blacksmith and so as a vote you know someone has to go because the town needs to be Uh, the town's hysteria needs to be fed. So you choose by a vote and do it, right? And uh, that will actually, like, and you'll turn to the next page and the consequences of what you did are immediately apparent. And that's sort of, you know, you're in a competitive space. So it might be in your best interest, you go, oh, well, butcher, well, I need to keep that person alive because I know what will happen if that person is not alive. So I'm going to vote for that person. But say everyone else doesn't, now your your choice still matters i'll still give you a bonus for doing it right this that's good gameplay but in general your choice is trumped by the idea of what everybody else at the table wants and i think having a collective destiny that you work towards and a story that you tell where hey you know what we we did this thing and now the town's happy with us so we're going off in this direction for the next generation or we did this terrible thing and now we're going off down this horrible path because we made that choice for this next generation is great. And um, I think more games in the competitive space would be better served by having these these moments where players collectively come together and make decisions that will affect their fate uh, together. Um, it's a really neat space to be in. And I'm just like super excited about the game because It allows you to really see, I mean, you could play the same scenario like four times and not see the same story. And that's just really neat. Like the outcomes of your decisions just go off in all kinds of wild directions and never come back. And uh, man, I love giving that feeling. I love that feeling of like, yeah, I don't know.
1: (laughs) It sounds awesome. And so it's almost like like a group choose your own adventure story thing going on as well. Like you have like a little side book and you have all these different, outcomes and, and events and things that happen
2: is that right yeah it'll have a i mean the the board itself is a book so it turn you turn to a new page in the book and that'll have a different like different uh, spaces that are worker placement depending on what you chose and maybe even different art and then uh the off to the side you'll have an app that actually tells the story and it keeps track of things that you did and brings them back up generations later mm. it's really <laughs> it's really neat story-wise but it also is again like i said like it's very much a positive exp- it's very much a pot as much as a positive mad scientist experience could be it is a positive uh mad scientist experience which which is really neat it's just a yeah. really cool way of telling a story yeah
1: it sounds amazing and if i remember right it goes to kickstarter in october is that right
2: i don't we'll just we'll just say it It goes to to kickstarter Kickstarter.
1: it's going to
2: kickstarter (laughs) sometime (laughs) probably later later this year i i hope it i hope you're right um but it is early so i just i hope you're right Right. and just look out for it on kickstarter and i'll just be i'll be doing this all the time just plugging it as much as possible
1: well you heard it here first (laughs) Uh, TC Petty is saying, October 1st, <laughs> it will be on Kickstarter. If it's not there, then the game is not being made. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears just a little bit. Let's talk about playtesting. When you're watching, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a, a playtest, especially one that you're not playing, right? And you're just kind of watching the other players at the table and you're kind of gauging their experiences and kind of what they look like and, you know, are they smiling? Whatever it is. What are you looking for to really know if if these different positive player interaction mechanisms or moments or experiences in the game are really coming through the way you want them to
2: um i think the most the most i'll know if i'm on to something that's correct when it comes to like positive player interaction if if the players look down for like a minute and they look up and they like laugh collectively for 30 seconds and then they look back down at what they're doing Then I know that I have done something that has created an emotional moment. Either it's laughter or like tension or something that breaks them out of that feeling of like, I'm just sitting here playing a game. I can look at, like everyone just knows that like something, yeah. And it like legitimately has happened many times in these games where you just, all of a sudden, everyone just laughs. (laughs) It's like, perfect. That's, that is what I'm looking for, right? Because it's just something happened that was emotionally exciting enough that people were invested in it. And positive player interaction, when done right, can really make for some memorable moments where everyone is feeling the same thing. I think back in the 80s, there was this feeling that you really had to have the game play against you to cause memorable moments. You had to like, if something really bad happened to you, everyone could point and laugh at you. And they would remember that moment uh, but you can have the reverse and honestly I think it feels better <laughs> so yeah I, I mean I'll know I, I will know if everybody's laughing and having a good time but man yeah the worst thing that can happen is if they're just okay well that was cool when are we when are we, what, what 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 happened in the story okay yeah I don't know okay cool that, that's the worst that's when I know something's up and I, I need to I need to, to get the interaction happening
1: quickly. Yeah, and I guess another thing is if they're just not interacting, you know, if they're just really trying to play oh, yeah, their own little game. And yeah. yeah, that's another thing you can obviously uh, look at. How do you know in the playtest if it's not working the way you want it to? So, you know, going back to what I asked earlier as far as like, how do you know when to cut one of these things, you know, when to edit it out? As far as playtesting, what are you
2: looking for to know if you're finding that right balance? A lot of times, if, if I'm seeing that the playtest is going poorly, I'll just go. Okay, pause. Here, you get some of this thing that I wanted you to interact with. You get some of this thing, you get some of this thing. Now keep going. Because sometimes it's just because you made a mistake and didn't didn't introduce it correctly. That can be a real problem for these types of games. I I think it happens with with interaction too. Just any any sort of game. If you if you accidentally set up a situation for there to be interaction and no interaction happens. It might just be that you introduced it incorrectly and people think it's optional or, or it's not gonna get them to the, the result that they want. And so the best way to get interaction happening in any game, whether it's positive or negative, is to make it happen quick and to let people know that like, this is gonna happen. And like, like you know, it's like, it is, even if it's a really take that style game, you gotta have it happen early and it's got to be emotionally involving or you've lost people already, right? Like they're just, they're, you know. So anything, with any of these types of interactions, I, mean, I think in almost any game, you want to have some sort of feeling attached to that. And if you don't get that feeling, it could be a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I think another thing for designers to realize is that people are going to read your rule book and they're going to assume that this is the whole thing. And so if you have a game that has negotiation, you need to, especially if it's open negotiation, you need to spell out what that means. Like if they could trade anything, then you need to sell them. You can trade absolutely anything. You can give up the car in the driveway to the player next to you if you want to. And just make that very, very clear. Because a lot of times if you don't explain it clearly in the rule book, then they're going to assume that you can't because it doesn't say that you can or or something along those lines. And so if you have these kind of moments in your game that are a little bit open-ended, especially in negotiation or or bluffing, whatever games, I think that's another thing just to kind of keep in mind is how you write the rules and making sure you're writing it so players do know that this is the kind of interaction that you're going for.
2: Oh for sure. Yeah. I mean that can be like that can be the doom. Like I mean I guess any rule book could be the doom of your game. But like yeah, that stuff can be the doom if you just don't know you're supposed to. Make it happen, quick. All
1: right, so you've been working on developing games for a while, working with Renegade and developing some games for them, and you know, you've helped develop games for a while. So tell me about your angle, your perspective from the development side, like what you're trying to get out of a game, how you're trying to edit it down or hone it in and, and really kind of bring out the
2: positive experience that you're looking for. Tell me about things from the development angle. See, and, and I, I think we were, we, were, we were talking a little bit beforehand that, that, you know, honestly, when it's someone else's game, I will come up with the idea for, for a positive player interaction aspect only if, like, it sorely needs it right? there. If there's something that's like missing that I can go, oh, maybe they haven't thought of this. Here's an idea. I think we just recently are working on a game that I'm not even going to talk about because I can't. And But the idea is we ended up adding interactions where now instead of there just being like a, a totally negative experience, right? One side versus the other. Now there's it's a cooperative game and one side just can't communicate the way that they want to and i think that sort of uh no longer having being able to push towards a situation where a character is is no longer an antagonist but can like is really really feeling that that pressure that no other player has um i think is, it has helped that game a lot but in general man it's hard because honestly when I do development, I always say like, I am looking to try to make the game as best as it possibly can. I'm not trying to make a new game. I'm not trying to take that game and reform it into something that I would want. I want to take the game that that person made and made it the best possible. And if, if that means positive player interaction is going to be a good solution, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll throw it off to the side. But like the key is it's a tool in my arsenal. And like, if you have that tool in your arsenal, person that's listening to this, if you have your, that tool in, in your arsenal, you have the ability to use it. And if you just don't, then you just don't. And you know, it's like when the opportunity arises, you'll be super happy that you have it. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, one thing
1: is just to be intentional and, and at least think about it. Think about yeah. what you're doing, how players are interacting. Think about is this just all, all one way and there's no kind of spectrum like we are talking about before? Is it all pass, fail? Is it all win or lose? And if so, are there some ways that you could really make the game have more tension, more interesting choices or or give players the opportunity to feel more clever by having some of these other ways of doing it? You know, maybe the piggybacking or maybe, you know, when I when I do an action, maybe you can follow me in that same action. Any of these little mechanisms that we've been talking about that just kind of bring in a little more positive nature to these different interactions in the game, at least think about it, at least try it out, see if it works, see if it's more fun or not. But at least you'll know. I think that's one of the main main things for people to think about.
2: Yep, they should hire you to do my lecture.
1: <laughs> now, TZ, do you have any closing thoughts? Anybody that's sitting there listening to this, maybe they've been working on an idea and, and it's just too negative, and so try to make it more positive or, you know, they've never even pondered what it would look like to add some of these positive things in there. What would be your like your closing thoughts to kind of bring everything home? Hmm.
2: Closing thoughts. All right, so I I after I, I did this a while a while back, I had a lecture where someone came up to me afterwards and they asked about this, like, I have a video game. How could I make this work in this? How could I, you know, it's like, I have a I have a game that I'm working on at home. How could I get this into my game? I just can't even come up with like, I can't even think about in that, that framework, right? And I think all that we've talked about today is like kind of, will help you there. But I think the most important thing to think about is like, what would you do in a real situation? Right, like I think the the concept that we get, I think the thing that we get stuck in is we start thinking about like this mechanic needs to go into this mechanic and this does this. But like I'm a huge proponent of thematic uh, immersion. I guess that's probably the wrong word for it, but you know theme and mechanics working in tandem to make the game better. And I think once you start to recognize that, like your theme needs a mechanic that represents a part of it like really well uh for example i was i was working on a heist game i really want to have this idea that like the heist could go bad but it's all because of the players it's not because the game caused you to lose it's because it was more important now for me to make money by doing this other thing than it was to complete the heist sorry everybody but that's just how it is and to 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 have have those moments thinking about like what a heist means to each individual person in the heist just makes me think, oh well, of course it's gotta have positive player interaction. Everyone's working together. Like they need to know, like people need to have these double cross moments. They need to have these moments where they have to gut check about what, what the motivations of someone else is. If I just made it where everybody moves around, like to be I I, I realize I was about to describe Burgle brothers. And I'm gonna say Burgle brothers is great. That's fine. You can go off in that direction. And that's a pure co-op game. But in all honesty, in most of the heist movies that you see, they don't end up a team by the end. Someone betrays someone. Something happens. And so, yeah, use the theme as your guide. I, I, I mean, that's what I would do. It's like I would use the theme as my guide to figure out what mechanics are the best for it. And a lot of times, man, having that betrayal, that double-cross moment, or having a moment where people work together its just like the best. Best, awesome.
1: Well, TC man, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with my father's work, which is coming to Kickstarter on October twelfth at eight oh seven a.m. Eastern time. So go ahead, go ahead, your calendar. No, it's coming out sometime soon on Kickstarter. I'm really excited about that one. I like legitimately. I remember seeing it years ago, and I cannot wait to see where it, you know, where it is now. But again, really appreciate uh, all your thoughts on these
2: things, and so good luck with everything you got going on right now yeah thanks so much for having me on i appreciate it i've been listening to it for the, the the show for a long time and it's great to hear i'm gonna it's gonna be great to just hear my own voice for a second
1: <laughs> that's right this will be the uh tc petty the third's i don't know what would you not handsome because you can't see you i guess what's what's a good word for for like how your voice smooth tc petty the third's smooth
2: podcast or something like that a beautiful baritone mm-hmm.
0: thanks for listening